0: are ridiculous. These guys are
1: ridiculous. Now, how about them damn Celtics? And we are back with another episode of the How About Them Celtics podcast. Sam and I are here recording on Sunday, December 11th, and we are joined by Cameron Tabatabai of the Celtics Lab podcast. Sorry, I panicked there because I wanted to make sure I pronounced the name right. <laughs> Celtics Lab podcast.
2: <laughs> I had and an internal Celtics panic wire. myself.
0: I was like, did <laughs> yeah. he get it right? Is he going to get gonna it right? Too.
2: <laughs> how was it, Cam? Was, it, was I okay? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I think some folks know that I'm a teacher and in the classroom, I just go by Mr. T um, because buy okay. is just like a mouthful. So if we can get that going in MBA circles, that'll just make <laughs> things easier for everyone.
1: Mr. T, I like it. I like it. I don't know if you know this, but I originally, or I guess secondarily was studying to be a history teacher as well. So oh, great. I, I, didn't know that. I, I, I respect it. I was a, a substitute teacher. Uh, yep. Over winter break for a couple of years. And I was Mr. S because Simone, you'd be surprised how many people mess up Simone too, which yeah, is not I mean, nearly was as hard. Who's messing up Simone? I
0: would be surprised. That is surprising. <clears throat> hey, so Simone my... is nothing compared to Mr. T here. Hey, I'm I not going to try.
1: But my high school teacher at graduation, or excuse me, my high school principal at graduation messed up my name, my younger brother's name, and my younger sister's name at graduation. What do they say? My mom was not. I was Simeone. Simeon, uh, there's
0: no I. Yeah. There's I no know. I after the I M.
1: And the craziest part is there's a kid in my grade whose name is Simeon, which like you can understand, like but I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't next to him in the line because I sang the national anthem at graduation with a, a group from like Oh, okay, Glee Club because I did Glee Club and stuff. And that was my high school. But I, the point is I wasn't anywhere near Simeon in the line. So he had no reason to mess mine up. I think my, my brother, one of them was Simone and the other <laughs> one was like Simeon. So
2: it you'd be surprised I'll, I'll say that i mean the no one should be for, messing it up yeah the default for me is people just say tap it to buy incorrectly which if i could go back and change my twitter handle i wouldn't make it mostly just the name you can't pronounce <laughs> hey i respect it.
1: you give someone uh, give people something to work for i i, I had to uh, try my best and i i think i have it fairly down pat but i was definitely panicking in the intro uh but yeah thank you for joining us i know you have a new puppy at home really How, how's that been ricky bobby right Ricky
2: Bobby. um it's been great uh he slept through the night mostly other than when we woke him up to go out ton of accidents in the kitchen on the tile which is good <laughs> very few accidents elsewhere so yes taking it one day at a time but thanks for asking he's great of course of course you made That's him awesome. sound
0: like a like a child like an infant that he's sleeping
2: <laughs> through the night like yeah we, it's we're not a while. like we don't buddies. have to get up it, it's great yeah well, i think it's supposed to snow a little bit here so we'll see how he does with that Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's snowing up a storm here
2: uh, where really? I'm at. So, oh, that's yeah, yeah. Master. I yeah. hope we've it's not coming to me. I'm I in love snow. We're football. East. Oh, in got got nothing yet.
1: Mm, I'm like 40 minutes south. I'm in Easton, Mass., but I've uh, got a nice coverage right now. Oh, so wow, you're we, far. We how, do you,
2: how do you get to games?
1: When I go into games, I usually just drive to the Red Line uh, in Quincy, like Quincy Adams, oh, and then like like I just up. take a in. But it would technically yeah it's it's tough but it's it would technically be shorter to like just drive straight into boston because it's like a 35 40 minute drive but i just hate driving in boston so i just take the t because it's not worth it so uh we we add a little time to cause me less stress which i I think is worth it but Uh, also before we start just for my own curiosity i know you're a history teacher what what grade do you teach
2: uh i teach 10th grade ap world um okay if any of my students are listening you're getting some grading back from me this afternoon uh and then i also teach economics which uh ends up being like more of a current events class but um, i'm just curious nominally i know something about economics (laughs)
1: i'm just curious to know what what the the lesson is right now in ap world just because i i do like history i mean i'm i I
2: it we're in the throes of uh the atlantic revolution so uh we're doing the declarations of the rights of women and the female citizen tomorrow and then the haitian rev the next day there you go all right that uh, sorry sam i have have nothing (laughs) for you guys (laughs) (laughs) i
1: warned sam i said sam i was a history major i'm gonna have to ask so that's fine uh, I, I planned it out, but we, we can't get complaining into the Celtics. about
0: whatever it is. It would have been today. <laughs> what would have been today? I don't think I had anything. So Sam always me. brings
1: a complaint to the
0: show. Yeah, I don't have it. Uh,
1: we, we can get into the Celtics because I, I think this was one of the first episodes we've recorded directly after a loss. Obviously, that's their sixth loss of the season, which is it's good yeah. for this point in the year. But I don't know if we've recorded like any of our recordings fell directly after one of those. Uh, but. Cam is lucky because he gets to talk about the loss. Maybe it's a curse. Oh, joy. (laughs) Uh, Celtics lost to the Warriors. I think it was 123-107 on Saturday night. We're recording on Sunday. You'll hear this on Monday uh, for the listeners. Uh, I would argue it was maybe one of their worst losses of the season. I mean, it can't be worse than the Bulls maybe, but this one was rough considering, you know, NBA Finals matchup. Uh, It really didn't look like they – adjusted at all uh on defense i mean they they switched up the personnel they played grant at the five tatum at the five but they kept dropping back they kept giving curry and clay uh those open threes and open mid range shots joe mozzoul after the game said he was fine with the open mid range shots you have to take away everything else and he pointed tra- transition which was also bad mm-hmm. um but it, it was just overall not the best performance from the Celtics and not the one you wanted to see against the Warriors. But what
2: were your takeaways, Cam? Uh, yeah, more or less that. I mean, uh, I said as such, it's December. It's a data point. We don't need to go nuts with it. But uh, I felt like in the finals, the Celtics got punked a little bit, that they the moment was too big for them. And it did feel like they weren't themselves uh, on Saturday night. So, so I do wonder if there's a mental side of it, that um the, the lights were a little too bright, because it felt like a lot of the familiar – issues we saw in the finals with, you know, the Browns, I mean, the Browns, the Jays uh, not really being facilitators with some of the offensive stuff stagnating. Like they played small, but they didn't really push the pace that much, which I know is kind of dangerous against the Warriors to, to challenge them to that. But um, it just, it felt familiar uh, reaching back to June. And then, yeah, to your point, I mean, some of the the things that were new the the drop defense, um, Brogdon for a moment looked like he was going to save the day and then that kind of faltered. So I don't want to over emphasize one game. They're still four and one on a really tough or now three and one rather on a really tough road trip. Um, but it felt like they got their pants pulled down a little bit there.
0: Yeah, they, this was a game they should have been ready for and, and maybe they were too ready for it. And they, they had their nerves going a bit, but It was the first time for me that it felt like they were not the better team. Mm
2: -hmm. Now,
0: like they got bullied in Chicago and they got beat bad in the United Center twice. But in those games, you really just were like, all right, when's it going to happen? When are they going to flip the switch and never came? It felt like on Saturday at the Chase Center, they didn't have it. The Warriors owned them. They were more confident the whole time. They were getting easy shots. Every look Golden State had seemed like was a clean look. They weren't having to really work hard to get baskets. Everything for Boston seemed tough. A lot of threes, a lot of step back, a lot of contested drives. Like It just, it just was like two different levels of basketball. And it's so strange this season seeing the Celtics not be the team that has the upper hand. And, and they just looked shaken up. Tatum, of course, wasn't very good. And the drop coverage was frustrating to watch. It was just like, man, this was the game that you really wanted them to come and play. And and maybe maybe it makes you think they might not be ready yet. But the record says another thing, but very disappointing to see them come out like that. The first primetime game of the year for the NBA, first one for them. And, and it's just nothing, even though I got to say this was a game I felt like was coming not necessarily against the Warriors, but like sometime soon, ever since yeah. they lost that game to Miami, it wasn't a loss that I felt like they really like had a horrible, horrible game. And I still felt like that was overdue. I felt like we were due for a game. Like the one, the last one, like this, we got was in Chicago and and it finally came. It just came at a really bad time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like Cam said, it's an 82 game season, and like you said, this was bound to happen eventually. So it, it's tough to be too upset with the Celtics. They can't win every game, um, and they haven't won
0: every game. And I know Sam would they love it win to every win every, every game, game. <laughs> but-, but you're due for a game like that when you when you rely on the three that much. It was a game mm-hmm. where they didn't make very many threes. They shot pretty poorly on the open ones. I believe Greeny tweeted it was seven of 20 on open, and in mm-hmm. very similar percentage numbers if there was wide open, like they shoot the most threes in the league or second most and they shoot the highest percentage. So it translates to wins, but on a, on a day where they're not falling kind of saw them panic and they didn't have an answer. Mm. Welcome back. Cam, you froze yeah. for a second. It's okay. It's
1: usually, it's usually Sam me. Season. So I think this Sam is how excited. it feels.
2: Cool. It's a, it's a good metaphor for last night's game. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know what I missed. I, I was you talking about the same.
1: poor shooting a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It but. felt
2: Sam same to your point. Like, it wasn't a bad game as an NBA fan. I mean, the like Curry hitting that, that three at the end of the first was just, like, really exciting. And it kind of summarized me. Disagree. When... <laughs> disagree. Sam's the homer of the show. So he... <laughs> it summarized, I think, where the Warriors were at. I guess maybe not the Celtics. Um, They, they had their chance. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they cut it to, what, eight? Or, or maybe six Might have been six. Six, um, yeah. It was close. So, uh, Jalen Brown, I wish he facilitated the ball more, I guess, Maybe he passed and people weren't hitting their shots. Um, he had a pretty nice game. So uh, I think you're right that th- this kind of game was bound to happen. Um, I guess we'll talk about the Jays in a little bit. It does feel like if you're going to be the MVP, this is the type of game that you step up. Because um, Tatum, between you know the middle of the third and maybe all of the fourth, didn't really score. Or he scored a few free throws. Um, or the whole it, game. Yeah. Well I mean he finished what well, he was like 18 uh, 6 and 3 steals or something. I mean he was impactful. He just wasn't an MVP. He wasn't if,
0: efficient, which is what we've seen this year, right?
2: Yeah. I think Jack we we corresponded over Twitter about this like if the if the standard for this Celtics team is blow the barn doors off people on offense mm. uh, and then maybe play some defense, there are going to be nights where that doesn't work because you're going to die by the three sometimes and mm-hmm. I do think Jason Tatum is very worthy of the MVP conversation, but like go ask the Mavs, um, go ask the Bucks when the MVP doesn't have it. It's a lot harder. And this felt like Tatum didn't have it. Boston wasn't hitting their threes. And that's enough to, you know, let a game slip through your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And
1: like as great as Jalen Brown is, and we just had a video go up because we talked about last time him having a monster season. Jalen Brown had 31 points but Jason Tatum was off and the shooting was off. And like you Mm -hmm. said, that was enough, right? Like Jalen Brown is a great player and he's fully capable of carrying the Celtics. If Jason Tatum is also playing well, if the shooters are also shooting well, if the defense is also on point, Jason Tatum is usually capable of carrying the Celtics period, like regardless of what happens. And I I think that's, that's the very slight difference. And Jalen Brown is improving and both players are improving. And this is not a shot at Jalen Brown. It's just, that is the difference between all NBA star and, MVP superstar right like yeah. that, that's the slight difference you're seeing and I think you tweeted about this last night it was what three assists between the two of them I think four maybe four night, yeah. four assists which is just not okay right and you you sort of expect that sometimes from Jalen Brown he's still not a great facilitator but Jason Tatum has emerged as a great playmaker and you, you kind of need him to put up those four or five assists a game and in the game where he's not shooting well usually it has to be more uh, right. and that just wasn't on and it, it looked like the Celtics offense was almost panicking a little bit like they were getting stale and then they were just like okay come set a screen i'm just gonna go iso come here quick 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 and they were kind of reverting back to what they were doing at the start of last season uh and it was very frustrating because you know that this is on paper and as we've seen the best offense in uh, of the nba by far uh and they just didn't really bring that against the warriors it seemed like almost as if the moment got in their head a little bit which was very weird too yeah yeah
0: so was seen ghosts of june <laughs> december Truly, I... halloween is it the christmas carol he's seeing the ghosts of christmas
2: past it's like <laughs> i think also um smart probably saw a few ghosts um, now i'm I the guess... frozen one here we go we're back we're good all right no yeah. we're
1: not sam won't hear us oh, all right sam I are you, you back you. Okay. okay sometimes sam freezes but he can still like we can still hear him. At least that's my experience. Anyway, sorry, Cam. Go
2: ahead. No, I had the, I was frozen for a while, and then and then it cut, it cut out for real. Um, I think Smart also saw a few ghosts. Um, we talked about this on the Celtics Lab podcast the other day. Um, Brogdon does a really nice job of kind of taking that pressure off of Smart to right the ship, and I didn't really see that last night. Brogdon, again. Uh, I believe it was the second, or maybe the third quarter. He had a few threes. You know, he took it to the rim a little bit, but he did feel a little off in a way that. He wasn't stabilizing the offense. I didn't really think Smart was stabilizing the offense. And then, yeah, Tatum and Brown had the games they had. So, I don't know. Joe Mazzula's 34. They made him do that really awkward like walking interview. I'm sure he felt a little off. Um, (laughs) I think everyone felt a little off that night. And Mm -hmm. credit where credit's due. The Warriors balled out. I mean, Steph Curry, as well he might, had a really, really good game. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: both did clay and, and clay, were okay. cool. clay was annoying to me because clay really hasn't been that great this season am i right nope this is his <laughs> no. best game no. of yep. the season. you bet this you bet great. your ass the southeast are in town somebody's having their best game of the season it's just how it goes <laughs> it hasn't been that way too much this year which which i can be happy about but in, in years past that's how it goes mm-hmm Of course, of course. But, you know, it'll happen
1: eventually. Steph Curry, you can expect 30 from Klay Thompson, even if he's not having a great year. I mean, I know he's had 30 point games earlier in the season. Nothing like this, quite like this. But, you know, they're, they're the two best shooters of all time or they're up there. So. It, it it'll happen eventually, and it doesn't help when the Celtics are just giving them open looks and fouling them on three pointers. So we yep. can talk about that briefly. Why? Like I don't I don't understand the purpose of the drop defense on Steph and Clay. And it was slightly different uh, in the finals last year, and it kind of changed it a little bit this year. But they were determined to go over screens around and then behind Steph and Clay, and then they just kind of fouled them like four times in the first and second quarters. Uh, and they made no adjustments. Like, even when they swapped out Grant, or excuse me, Blake Griffin and Luke Cornett uh, for Grant and Tatum at the five, mm-hmm. they were still dropping back. They <laughs> they still weren't really pressing up on the screens. And they made small adjustments throughout the game. But at that point, it was just way too late to do anything. And they, they just let the, the Warriors go on this avalanche of scoring, go on this ridiculous run of Steph getting an open three, Clay getting an open mid-range. And they were, it was like they were playing 2K and spamming the same play because the Celtics <laughs> were playing the same defense.
0: It, it just didn't make any the same sense thing. to me. It made. No I said sense. the same thing. It looked like I was playing in like a 2K league and some guy was using the screens and you couldn't do anything to defend it. No matter what you did, no matter what player you tried to control, it would not work. I, I mean, just I... don't,
2: I don't get that. It doesn't seem like they play this kind of defense. No, I... I think that's one of the interesting things about Missoula is I think he's a good coach for this moment because, you know, the, the team is coming into their own and they don't need to be micromanaged. And that seems to be the skinny is, you know, he's not over calling plays. He's not <laughs> calling timeouts as we'd love to talk about. Um, and this felt like a night where actually the coach needed to step in and, and yeah, it just felt like Missoula really could have been uh, more firm with all right, cut it out, we're changing. And it's not like the Celtics don't have tape on the Warriors, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, they spent the entire finals doing the same defense, not changing it, let Curry getting whatever he wants. And then they they just did the same thing. It was just in the span of a game rather than a seven-game series. It did make sense. I saw something on Twitter. I think it was Keith Keith Smith tweeting, like, this felt like the first game of the season when Joe Missoula was actually outcoached by an opposing coach. And I, I think – you know, there wasn't even much Steve Kerr needed to do. He was just like, okay, that's what they're doing. Steph, just keep doing that. And yeah. That's all that really happened, um, which was frustrating because you know the Celtics are better than what they did against the Warriors. And there are going to be games where they play – below expectations they, like it was inevitable that like sam like you said this was game was bound to happen eventually it just sucks that it was in golden state against the warriors against the fan base who so clearly you know took that to heart i mean even in my mentions i had someone dropping a steph gift like you can tell oh. that warriors fans are sick of celtics fans and vice versa so <clears throat> for the league best celtics to go into golden state and lose to the or yeah lose to the 500 warriors who you know little asterisks are now 12 and two at home. Like it's not like they're a bad team at home, but still the 500 warriors, you can get why fans are frustrated. Although we can talk about this too. I will never understand the, the, you know, sky is falling fans who after one loss are ready to abandon ship, are ready to make a million
2: trades, are ready to adjust everything. Cause you saw that a lot on Twitter last night. I mean, actually I, I'm going to go on a riff here. I kind of get it insofar as I feel like that's what television coverage of of basketball is. And Mm. it's, you know, two hours straight of people doing this, but with the heat really turned up, I mean, it doesn't make for good TV to say like, that was an interesting little game we watched, but there's not much to glean from it. I mean, so I don't know. I don't, obviously I'm working during the day. I don't watch first take or things like that, but I see it through Twitter and whatnot. And it's always like the hottest of hot takes. So I do think there's like a trickle down uh, culture of everything is the worst thing that's ever happened or the best thing that's ever happened. And it's just like not entertaining to be nuanced or calm about it, which I understand. Um, But I don't know, that's something that I've toyed with in my head is like, uh, Jack, to your point, like it's not like any of us control that much of Celtics Twitter, but they're like very, very, (laughs) very small corners that we interact with. Mm -hmm. people are losing their cool over we're gonna play the warriors again later (laughs) in the season so i don't know um probably a meaningful win for the warriors who are kind of spinning their tires probably Mm -hmm. a nothing burger for the celtics um but yeah i would agree fans on either side of the equation can catch their breath that's a
0: good point especially You know considering what kind of start the warriors are off to this is going to be big for them i think this is like a big confidence boost it'll probably bring their team together if they're not already tight-knit i mean that core group has been together forever but being 500 then you beat the best team in the league that's just rolling everybody they just beat the western conference you know top of the top of the conference team on wednesday by a million and they come into your house and you really dominate the whole game. That's great for you if you're the Warriors. And if you're the Celtics, it's going to sting, but maybe it lights a fire under you going into L.A., which I hope I want that Lakers game more than I wanted this Warriors game. To be honest with you, I hate the Lakers, hate LeBron, hate all of them. I think Davis and his dad are a bunch of whiny pricks. Like, I just I don't like any <laughs> of it. Um. So, one, I'm going to bring this up because Horford is coming off of the COVID protocols, whether he's going to be cleared or not. That is a back-to-back, and if I'm the Celtics, I'm sitting him on the first night instead of the second night, just because yeah. I think it's more important. Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP right now, except the team sucks, so he's not going to be the MVP, but you need somebody in there to try and neutralize him, and it's not going to be Blake Griffin. Even though Blake Griffin's been alright, he's just not really covering the shooters on the screens like we saw yesterday, but he's he's been okay. He hustles. He makes his shots. He, he played a solid statistical game yesterday, but It would really help to have Al Horford back over him in the starting lineup for sure. And, you know, not to mention Rob, but I'm not putting too much weight into that because he's got a cannon on his knee, a Mm -hmm. biological weapon, whatever you want to call it. The thing is a machine (laughs) of a leg brace. So I'm I'm not really putting my eggs in that basket, but Horford has proven to be good this season, so I will bank on him.
2: And if he's not back, Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting. I think I'd like to see Tatum guard bigger guys more, Mm -hmm. like play bigger. I think he can. I think he's strong enough to. Um. So, if you have Tatum, guard Davis, it's not ideal, but LeBron is playing so uh, with limited interest. I guess you could say that you could probably stick Grant on him. Um, so it would be better if you had Rob and/or Horford, um, and it would be probably bad to use Cornett or Blake on on Davis. But if not, yeah. I'd like to see Tatum. Come to task once the Clippers game mm, Monday. Monday, because the Clippers were just in Washington, so they got to come back to the West Coast. That could be you know advantageous for the Celtics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Plus, there's always the is Kawhi going to play, which I think he will. But go <laughs> yeah. ahead, Jack.
1: Uh, No, yeah, I feel like Kawhi and Paul George are going to play. I mean, heading into this road trip, what is it? A six game road trip, including Toronto, five game West Coast swing. I mean, I I think a lot of people predicted, you know, oh, what are they going to go on this road trip? I don't think a lot of people said six and oh, I think there were a bunch of four and two. Of course, Sam, you said six and oh, some some of us
2: did. (laughs)
1: Whatever. <laughs> I think I said four and two. Five and one should be the goal. Four and two seems like a realistic thing because, you know, it, it's never easy <clears throat> to win on the road, even though the Celtics have been pretty good out there. But, you know, this is the first loss in a two and one on the road trip. Uh, they've got chances to pick it back up uh, after that. So Lakers Clippers is going to be a big test because, like you said, Sam, it's back to back. Horford's probably only going to play one game or almost certainly
0: only going to play one game. He's you have going to, to play hope. one. Those back spasms are going to catch up to him. (laughs) You have to
2: hope. Maybe not. When did he go out with COVID? Thursday?
1: Uh, He's missed two games. He missed the Suns and the Because it's my
2: understanding that he would have to be symptomatic enough to have been tested. So, like, in theory, he has – we're we're speculating. This is not reporting. Um, In theory, he's sick enough to have been tested and caught COVID. So, I guess Mm -hmm. there's a chance that, you know, I hope, knock on wood, it's a non-issue, but that he's sick, sick, and he misses longer. This is his third time having COVID?
0: Yeah, yeah he's after, he's like a stinks. Petri dish over that there. It does suck. Is he going over there, like, not washing his hands, licking doorknobs, really trying to get it? Maybe he didn't want to play against the Warriors? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Scheduled himself a
2: vacation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ugly. Unfortunate for Al. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean, Davis is going to be a big test, depending on PG and Kawhi, which I, I assume they'll play because <laughs> – excuse me, you get up for those big games, uh, it'll be interesting. But Blake Griffin, like you guys said, I mean, he's having a good season. He's obviously not the guy you want to go to against those top tier big guys. But I tweeted this out last night. He looked like the only guy trying against yep. the Warriors, right? Like he was hustling. He was fighting for offensive rebounds. He he jumped up for that uh, putback against uh, on the Marcus Smart layup, I think it was. And then on those two possessions in a row where the Celtics just let Poole and Clay Thompson leak out in transition, it just seemed like, it was Blake Griffin fighting on the boards and fighting for a layup with the rest of the team just kind of watching him. Like, there, there was so much ball watching last night. And I also, I dubbed it Blake watching. Everyone awesome. was just watching Blake Griffin or watching the ball off rebounds, on layups, on shots. Like, it, it, it's like they were exactly what you said. They were seeing ghosts. They were just staring into the void and watching things pan out in front of them instead of actually acting on it it was very frustrating because you haven't seen that a lot from the Celtics this season and I I don't really know why right like a part of it could be you know it's the Warriors who just lost in the finals but ball watching of any kind like that's just not something the Celtics have done so it's very confusing as to why they kind
2: of reverted to that yeah I this is gonna sound really ageist but I'm gonna try it on for size anyways last year I spent a, a lot of the season saying it's unlikely that a 24 and 25 year old can get it done. And now we have a Jalen's 26 and Jason will turn 25, I think in March from a NBA history perspective. And from a psychology perspective, it's just unlikely that they are growing or they're done growing, that they see the game as well as they're ever going to see it. Um, So to your point, even though Blake's knees might not be able to take him where he wants to go, his, brain is ready. And I I think the Jays are still young. And interestingly, I was ready to kind of retire that take this year. I figured, you know what, they are that much older. They did just go to the finals. There's just like so much more wind in their sails. But um, Jack, maybe you've observed this too, or Sam, you as well, like they've brought up their own ages several times in post-game press conferences. So it's something they're thinking about. Um, they've like uh, a few day, games ago, uh, Smart was talking about Jalen's growth, and Jalen said, Well, I used to be 19, now I'm 26. It's like, Yeah, but the brain's still developing until it's 27 or 28, and mm. 26 isn't that old in the NBA. So I do think there's an element where they're, because they've been into the postseason so deep so many times, we kind of just assume they're just as polished and professional as, you know, uh, Curry and um, Clay or LeBron and Davis, but they're still quite young. Um, if Tatum pulls it out as a 25-year-old MVP, that's not unprecedented, but it's a younger MVP season. So I do think not like they're immature, like they're punks or anything like that, like it's <laughs> pejorative and paternal for me to even suggest, but I do think that there is an element that like, they're still young stars figuring it out, even though they've been anointed as kings of the NBA.
0: It is a good point. And, and you see it throughout the team. It's really great that they have such a mix of older players to go along with them. Like even Marcus smart is getting up there now to where he's fully developed mentally. Right. That could be something you correlate with how he's matured as a player, taking care of the ball, taking better shots over the last couple seasons, since he got the starting role. Of course, Blake Griffin, you can mention him in there and he's been really impressive with his hustle this whole season. Every chance yeah. he's got, he's really busted his ass out there. And of course, Al Horford, when he came back was such a big piece to get. And I was Excited from the jump. Not everybody was. I was calling for it beforehand. Me and Bobby Manning were when we would uh, have him on the shows. And we had him on as soon as the trade happened. Funny enough. Yeah. But you got Brogdon, who's like 30 now. There, There is a healthy mix of older players to kind of hold their hand if they truly have to. Hopefully they don't. Right. Because they should be mature in the sense of how many times they've been there. They they are not the average 25 and 26 year olds in the league. A lot of these guys don't get drafted into success and they have to go through years and years of the lottery. Just look at somebody like Brendan Ingram, who was with the Lakers for so long. And finally the Pelicans are starting to put something together. Right. So he, he has like no experience and he was drafted one pick before Brown. Absolutely. And to your point, Cam, it got me thinking,
1: not that the Celtics can't win the championship this year. They're clearly talented enough to do so. But when is the last time a team has won the championship where the primary star was, you know, however old and the next star, like 26 and under there. I mean, last stars. year,
2: last year, uh, the aforementioned Tim Bontemps, who are we talking about <laughs> before we recorded? Uh, he had a stat that I think it was uh, a team hasn't been to the finals with this young of a scoring duo. Like it's only happened like three times since the seventies or something like mm-hmm. that. So even a year later, looking at the 2023 NBA finals, it would be a a very young Mm -hmm. core. I mean, if you look at Shaq and Kobe, Shaq had been in the league for 10 years. Yeah. Um, So Kobe was young, but Shaq was older. And there are a bunch of older veterans around. And on and on and on. Actually, this is something I've been thinking about is I think the average age of an MVP is maybe 26 or 27. But what's the average age of a finals MVP? Because I would hazard Mm -hmm. that's much older. That is 30-year-olds plus because... There is, and again, I don't mean to be ageist. I'm not saying 25-year-olds and 24-year-olds are morons, but there is a, an element of mental maturity. And again, they're not immature. There's just a polishing of how you see the world. I think anyone listening who's you know closer to 30 or beyond has experienced that in your 20s. You grow up a lot more than maybe you expect. Um, so I, I, again, I don't mean to belittle the Jays. I don't think that they're being immature, But when you talk about Blake just seeing what needs to be done and his teammates not necessarily rising to that moment, I do think there's an element about, you know, being maybe spooked by the stage, the ghosts of finals passed and kind of having your feet stuck in the mud that I think slightly older players might be able to get around.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you look at last year um the warriors obviously were in their 30s it's curry clay green also apologize for dog barking in the background the bucks a year ago i mean Giannis was 26 but around them you had 30 year olds chris middleton <clears throat> or who maybe was like 29 but drew holiday who was probably 29 30 uh lakers older raptors older warriors twice calves the warriors in 2015 are the first one you can look at curry was 26 draymond and clay were 24 and 24 so that makes sense. But yeah. like down the line, Spurs, <clears throat> Tim Duncan was older, Miami Heat twice. They were older in their prime. Uh Dirk was in his prime. Kobe and Pagasaw were in their prime. So it's like it's not easy to win a championship at 26 or under. And you can have a leader there. Right. Like Steph Curry and, you know, uh Clay and Draymond. That's the best example of just a young core winning it. Uh, but even look at the Thunder, like not to compare the Celtics to the Thunder, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people did that last year. But like. KD, uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden were all super young when they went to the finals, and they couldn't get it done because mm-hmm. they were just they were just too young and inexperienced. Uh, and you kind of look at that against the Warriors last year. Also, interesting, I'm on Basketball Reference to look at this. The total win shares for playoff top performers, I looked down the list, right? Last year or two years ago, it was Giannis, AD, Kawhi. It's always uh, on the team that either wins the championship or came in second. Last year it was Jimmy Butler. Not like someone who didn't even make the finals. I've got he got was your, the only
0: one on that team.
2: I've got my big face coffee mug right <laughs> that here. That is a
1: very cool mug.
2: <laughs> we love Jimmy Butler. I love that. I Jimmy love Jimmy Butler, Butler is a dog. That's great. Yeah. I hope, Jimmy Butler, I hope Jimmy Butler hears this.
0: The rest of them are rats, <laughs> but he's fine.
2: <laughs> no, that's
1: crazy to me though. Someone who didn't even make like that just shows you how much he carried them in the playoffs. Yeah, they're year. bad.
0: Like that's not that good of a team. They had <laughs> no business going to seven games with that Celtics team last year. I've only been crying Jimmy. about it for months. I couldn't <laughs> believe it when it was happening. I was like. I couldn't believe they lost Game Six, which was a Butler performance, you know, mm-hmm. to the point of this whole
2: conversation.
0: Then they almost lost Game Seven. Like, what's and, going on? But again, Why is it getting that close?
2: Because the Celtics were a little young. They yeah. had the Yips. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's a dog, and Bam Adebayo is maybe the strongest man in the NBA. Strongest Very man in the Eastern at the Conference. Screen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Jimmy is ridiculous. Like the fact that he led wind shares in three rounds and in the bubble. Even go back to the bubble. Yeah. It's the same yeah. story. I he went Jimmy crazy Butler. in the bubble. Jimmy Butler is fun. He's one of those guys in the NBA that you can't really hate. <clears> or <throat> Well, no, let I me phrase. Let me, let
0: me I'm the hater and I, I agree. I <laughs> it's
1: very agree. easy to hate him from a fan's perspective. Like if he's playing your team, you don't like him. But it's just like as a player, like you got to respect what he does. He's like, best. um,
2: he, do you guys watch Game of Thrones? He reminds me of Joffrey because I thought Joffrey was such a good character because he elicited so much emotion. And most people hated Joffrey. I don't think anyone's rooting for Joffrey, but Jimmy Butler's the same way. Like, no one is neutral on Jimmy Butler. Like, everyone has strong takes on that guy. Um, and and yeah. the, that's what makes the NBA so great. Like, I think if Jimmy Butler was in the NFL, he, he'd be like out of the league because he'd be like su- such a pariah. But in the NBA, <laughs> even in the heat, like the way yourself cut your hair, Miami Heat, you could just be like a little bit of a loose cannon and it still works. It's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Jack, no, I can I see by your face there. You have also not watched. I have not. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen Game of Thrones. No, I was Neither going no along. I,
1: <laughs> I wanted to let you finish the thought because I knew it was a good thought. I'm just a terrible <laughs> TV watcher, so I, I'm I'm awful at context uh, when it comes to the comparisons usually. But <clears throat> no, yeah, Jimmy Butler is, is amazing. I love the big face mug too. That's That's awesome. That's fire. Um, we have a few days until the quote-unquote unofficial start of trade season. December 15th is when a lot of players become trade eligible. We talked about this briefly on our last episode. Neither of us think the Celtics need slash should make any trades. We threw a few names out there. I'm curious, sure. before I you know, go over those and we can talk about it, are there any names you've thought of or you think this, like any positions of need, or do you just think they should ride
2: it out uh, for the sake of chemistry? They should Probably ride it out for the sake of chemistry, but also to the benefit of injury insurance. They um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like really redundant switchy pieces. Like we didn't talk about Derek White. Derek White, I felt like had an outsized role in last night's game, and try as he might, he kept doing things incorrectly. um <laughs> But if you know Marcus Mark gets hurt, if even Jalen Brown gets hurt, he's a, a pretty serviceable player to plug in as your uh, in the starting lineup. It's your six man, something like that. So. There is an element of the NBA playoffs where, like, the healthiest team usually has a puncher's chance at going in the distance. And um, Boston is a solid nine deep, plus Hauser, plus Pritchard. Maybe um, that said, consolidating a few pieces into a very solid four-five would be nice. Um, I love big, smooth Sam Hauser, but. I'm still not a hundred percent sold. I mean, he's he seems like he's he's got the three down. I think he's, he's got cooled the, off. Yeah,
1: he's cooled off just
2: a little, you know, just enough shoots, to make you consider. But he's shooting like sixty percent from three. Yeah, I mean, he's not Icarus. Um, I do think that the his defense is underrated. He's like a I think a sneaky mm-hmm. strong guy, so like he can stay in front of people more. But um, I wouldn't hate exploring a more solid guy on the wing um so those would be areas of concern a, a a big that's a little more switchy because like luke cornett part of the problem last night was he he just like wasn't athletic enough to go get kaminga or to stick with green yeah um even though he's the tallest american player which is great you know it'd be nice <laughs> if he could move his feet a little um and then same with hauser he just like he didn't really have any business on the floor and that warriors didn't even have wiggins i mean Maybe the geography changes and it actually benefits the Celtics, but um, having a more serviceable wing player would be nice. Um, I'm curious to hear your list, though. I don't really have, uh, you know, Crown Jewel that I'm looking at, but I guess I have a few ideas.
1: Well, most of our list are TPE targets. We agree. We don't think trading Pritchard should be... An option just because of the injuries and broken, smart are going to miss games, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Plus, <clears throat> there's no real guys out there you could trade to match salaries that are worth giving up the pieces, you know. So, yeah. mo- most of the guys we have, or at least I have on my list, Sam, you might have a couple more, uh, are <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, are <laughs> <laughs> t- TPE guys. But, um, <clears throat> I'll start with Philly. Uh, Matisse Thybul hasn't really played for the Sixers this year. Um, Mm -hmm. because they don't really have shooters that can cover for his lack of shooting, but the Celtics do. And obviously it would have to be, you know, for the sake of TPEs and uh, uh, a couple seconds for Matisse Teibel, if they don't want to extend him, because I think he is due for an extension uh, Mm -hmm. now. So if the Sixers don't want to extend Matisse Teibel and the Celtics want to pay a second round pick for a lockdown defender insurance, you know, for half a season and then let him walk, I don't think that would be a terrible idea. It's just a matter of how willing the Sixers would be to give him up because he's only playing, like I think, 11 minutes a game this series not really in the rotation.
2: Yeah, the teams certainly don't like each other. I don't know about the front offices, so that'd be interesting <laughs> if they would take each other's phone calls. Um, yeah, I don't dislike that. I, I would really like for the Celtics to chill a little bit on leaning on the offensive end and tighten the screws on mm-hmm. the defense. Until Rob gets back, it's unclear what the – the defensive floor and ceiling really are for the Celtics. Um, but to have Tybalt in reserve, as opposed to, not to drag Hauser some more, but like as opposed to Hauser slash Pritchard, yeah, I don't dislike that. I think if the price was right, um, that would be good, but it, it does yeah. bring back like, is it worth upending the chemistry? Because everyone seems to get along in the Celtics locker room, so that's... Mm. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, perhaps. But I'm... I like that. That's interesting. I definitely haven't thought of that.
0: Well, they lost yesterday, yeah. so it's clearly broke. Yeah, which is why we're we're talking <laughs> about trades. Of course, that's that's of what course. the Patriots fans that pay attention twenty five percent of the time will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their team's not good this year, so they're 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 a little bit early, right? Yeah, they're I heard they're um, I
2: heard they're going to bring back Tom Brady. That's a thing that's definitely going to happen. Oh right? man,
1: that is the rumor. We shall see. I, I mean, it it give talk radio a a nice fun storyline to talk about outside uh, Jason Tatum sucks
0: better looking than Mac Jones (laughs) yeah but very
2: and he's divorced hey ladies (laughs) come on back to Brookline Tom
1: New England moms would be seething they'd be you know foaming at the mouth for Tom Brady if he came back
0: (laughs) New England moms while he's like looking at like Hollywood actresses (laughs) like they would have a shot they're ready for
1: him um Let's see another name, Cam Reddish, has been thrown around again. Just none of these names are gonna be, you know, twenty minutes a night, guys. But just off the end of the bench to have that extra depth, have that extra defensive option or wing option to give Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown some regular season rest. He's been thrown around in trade rumors. It seems like the Knicks are giving him a little bit more opportunity this year. So, uh, and, and he has been thrown around as someone they're willing to quote-unquote attach to Evan Fournier to get off of Fournier's contract, which look how far we've come from the fans yelling at Brad Stevens not you know for not re-signing Fournier. Uh, but uh, Cam Reddish is another name I thought of because just simply because he's under the TPE.
2: Yeah, I was just looking at my phone. Um, uh, Celtics Lab co-host Alex Skolberg really likes that idea, and I was seeing if I could find <laughs> exactly what he said, but uh, I couldn't find it. Um, but on behalf of Alex, I'll advocate for that one. Um, I, I think that the Celtics should consider pushing their chips in. Um, they have yeah. they already owe a few first round picks. It's not like they have all the first round picks available to them. I don't think that they should uh, be too cavalier, like we said, about fussing with chemistry. But um, bro- having Brogdon in reserve as like the sixth man is great. But like, why not get a player that is also really, really good as the seventh man? Um, so that yeah, that would be if the price is right, again, pretty interesting to me. Um, a little bit of a project and who yeah. I, I don't think even Joe Missoula knows if Joe Missoula is up to that task. So that's an interesting twist is that like, you know, if the Celtics had a, a more established head coach, maybe they would be willing to take something like that on. Um, trying to build up Cam Reddish on the fly from raw talent to cog in the machine might be a little difficult because he's kind of had a tumultuous career through probably no fault of his own but i do like um buying high on talent so also Mm -hmm. more cams is always a good thing i think (laughs) more cams around the area
1: i love it uh yeah no i just think having that sort of you know he was big deal in college right and uh, obviously the duke connection maybe tatum would like it but he was like Everyone was heralding him as the next Paul George, so obviously there's some defensive capability. Yeah, I know. It's tough now, tough to see now, but there's obviously some defensive capabilities there. Uh, He can score a little bit, so if you have that extra spark plug, like you said, another developmental project for him, uh, maybe he'd be better suited for the heat where they need some, you know, buy low
0: candidates. But (laughs) I wonder if the Celtics are in a good spot for a project, though. Like, I kind of feel like they are because they have their rotation so cemented, it wouldn't hurt to fill that end of the bench spot with somebody that you really have somewhat of interest in developing. Like Justin Jackson is kind of there now and I, you don't really see anything there. Like right. he's supposed to be able to shoot and he can't do that. Like, I guess he's kind of long and he could be a wing that has size. Yeah.
2: But I think. I think. Briefly, but you're good. You're good. I All think right. Radish would just need more burn than the Celtics could give. Yeah. Cause he has been, uh, Jack, to your point, a high-profile player, so he would need a high-profile to kind of build on that. But with respect to Justin Jackson, a more interesting twelfth man might be out there.
1: For sure, and I mean, you look at uh Bull, right? You have a bunch of Celtics fans saying, Former "Oh, Celtics why didn't Bowl Bowl. the Celtics? Well, why didn't the Celtics keep him?" I'm not, it's not a direct comparison, but like if the Celtics traded for Cam Reddish and then he were to go play better somewhere else, like. he just wasn't going to get any playing time right like bobo was never going to be in the Celtics rotation as much as he wanted him to be
2: i the one that got away from me is dwight powell i remember Mm. after the rondo trade this is like almost a decade ago at this point uh texting i won't say who because i don't want to out them for having the wrong take but i was like (laughs) man you know obviously this isn't a great haul but i think dwight powell can play and they were like no he can't (laughs) uh he's he's only balling out now in dallas because they have no one else and Dwight Powell has been so serviceable. Um, I don't yeah. I don't think it would have ever made sense for him to be on the Boston Celtics between, you know, 2014 and today, but you never know. Um, seemingly throwing a Sam Hauser or a Luke Cornette in a trade to bring in talent, you might be giving up on a guy who is a year or two away from filling a real, real role. Yeah, Dwight Powell is just
1: like the epitome of a a good center. Like he, he just he goes in there, he plays his role. I mean, he started all eighty-two games for the Mavs last year. They brought in JaVale McGee to replace him, and he already took back his starting spot in Dallas. Like he's just a quality, solid center. So you gotta respect it. Uh, last name I had for TPE target uh, is PJ Washington potentially if the Hornets decide to blow it up and enter the Wembenyama sweepstakes officially, which they probably should at this point because they're, yikes, uh, P.J. Washington could be a guy to come in and give you some extra minutes. Probably not the best defensive option, definitely not the best defensive option, but he can shoot, he can score, he's having a career season. It's just a matter of what the price would be because that could be where things get tricky.
2: Yeah, I think there has been some P.J. Washington buzz around the league. Um, No pun intended, I think the Hornets... (laughs) <laughs> are, are pretty poised to like really blow it up. I mean, that's what's so interesting is I don't think we yet know how intense the women Yama sweet steaks are going to be. So we don't know how serious <laughs> the buying and selling market will be. Um, yeah. PJ Washington, uh, really athletic, really fun, um, but much bigger than Jordan Clarkson, but like kind of the same idea. Just <laughs> yeah, let him cook when you need him to cook. So I don't know. I, again, I think my bias would be towards figuring out how to get back to being a a really solid defense because that's always there for you. I think you have to be an elite offense to win a title, but a really solid defense insulates against variability. And uh, we saw last season help the Celtics get over some offensive uh, discrepancies and issues they had. Um, So I'd prefer the Celtics figure out the defense, but if they're going nuclear on offense, yeah, bring on PJ Washington. It'd be so fun.
0: It's funny. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of nailed it on the head. Yesterday is the prime example. If you, you have a more concrete defense that might not happen, or, or at least you're able to have a chance at winning that game. Like they right. were close in the fourth quarter, but as soon as they got close, that was it. Mm-hmm. It took them like a nice 11 run or whatever it was to get back in the game. Like if you're playing defense, that 11 0 run, put you up by five or whatever. Like there's just so much more flexibility for you to have an off night. It, it feels like when they have an off night this year, they really have an off night and, and that's yeah. just what it's going to be. So I, I just, it, it's very tough with the TP targets and trade targets right now because you don't know which teams are going to drop out because the West is so close and the middle of the East is really close too. like a lot of teams hovering around that 500, even ones that you might think are going to be good, like a Philly or perhaps a Toronto, Even Miami is like mediocre. And of course, like out West, it's like four games between first and 12th or whatever it is. It's real close. Um, It's just like, which of these guys coming in is going to replace a rotation player? Like who's getting replaced? It's tough. Like Grant's so solid. Like Sam Hauser's been mostly solid. He's cooled off lately. Luke Cornett has been one of the most impressive players to me this season because he's been so efficient off the bench. I don't know what it is after last night, but I know earlier this week it was a career high seventy one percent from the field in the, like the thirteen minutes he gets. Yeah. That's what you need in a backup guy. He's out there and he's just putting the ball in the basket when he's given the opportunity. He, he's converting the easy looks under the rim. So he's just been so good. It's like it's like what are you gonna replace? I I hate this. I hate I hate trying to talk trades, but it's good because. I mean, there's no need for it right now. It's better than the last couple of seasons when we had the right. TPs to talk about. And we were like, okay, 17 <laughs> million. Who's coming in? And That's a crazy TP. How are nine, they going to get them? And, you know, is it going to be worth it? You know, all these different prospects. And it's like, oh, wow, like it's a lot of money, but none of them are worth it. Like right. Duncan Robinson was the name we kept throwing around. It's like, uh glad they yeah, didn't I do that.
2: I mean, it goes back to our conversation before. Like to sustain a, a dialogue about the Celtics for 82 games when it's like really all you need to know is they're very good. We'll see what happens <laughs> in the spring uh-huh. because there's not a TPE, because there's not like an obvious trade need. Like there's not that much to talk about. So then it becomes like, oh, mm-hmm. this, they're broken. This is the worst. Whereas in years past, it was like, all right, they lost. They really need to make that trade. Let's talk about it again. Which mm-hmm. incidentally, I'm sure your podcast, um, you're Plenty. writing our podcast between now and February. It's just going to be, all right, let's talk about trade some more. because. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun to it
1: <laughs> It's always harder to talk about the Celtics when they're good, which is unfortunate. It's always harder to write about the Celtics when they're good because it's, it's more just fun. This
2: name no, more. Spot, it is. The sweet spot is when they're good, not great. Yes, right now they're great. So they're it's. Great
1: exactly it's tough and the, the the tough part is too from my perspective at least writing like people don't want to read about oh they were really good again like no one wants to read that article no yeah. one, like they only want to read oh they stink this is what happened right like last night i got to write about something you know Kendrick Perkins calling Jason Tatum scared and i got to okay. title it something like that like which also is stupid
2: like, like I Bert, mean, come on one of our clickiest at Celtics wire I think one of our best performing articles in the past few weeks is uh, Lucas Samanich, however you say yeah, his name yeah. get in, um, the kid in the main it. red clause but, like that was he, he balled out he scored like 30 points like our most clicked article f- for the month was about this kid because people That's love crazy. the unknown in the NBA it's mm-hmm. the possibility of what could come next not the X's and O's necessarily of what just happened
0: that G League exactly. team has been doing work over yeah, the last two seasons. Fun. They've given you some good players out of that roster. Hauser played a lot of time there, and he turned out to be a serviceable role player. Cornette. Cornet played up there; mm-hmm. like he got his minutes. They're doing a good job with that program. Usually, in the past, you didn't see a lot of results coming from Maine. You're like, uh
2: Langford's oh, still going to sit there and watch. So his Joe meant. Missoula was a main product. He coached yep. that yes, a little bit too. Yeah, maybe Cam Rush. Yeah. The Cam Rush we need is just J.D. Davison.
1: he's looked good in his main games too like that looks like another okay pick i feel like it's going to be tough for him to ever crack the rotation in boston but at the very least like that's a trade piece you keep him around you keep him (laughs) developed you
2: trade him eventually that's something there's more tape on him than (laughs) yamadar
1: Oh, Yamadar. We still have people. We, we do a pregame show. I've st- we still have people in the chat. Birkin still loves Yamadar. He's one of our chatters in the pregame show. People still love Yamadar. And I hate to break it to you guys. I don't know if he'll ever come over to the NBA. <laughs> but... Uh, You never know. I suppose you never know. And I mean, there's still Juwan Beggar in too. They still got. He he looks more promising than Yamadar. Not to get into the whole, you know, tin can hat. You know, they're gonna have a superstar again. But if they want to bring a defender, someone who can, you know, do some stuff, Yamadar looks like an athlete, and he looks like he can eventually, you know, be uh, uh, Justin Jackson on the end of the Celtics bench. I won't take it any further than that. But (laughs) looks all right. Looks all right. Uh, what else? Oh, last thing before we get you out of here, Robert Williams obviously is the story of the past few weeks. Uh, you heard the hints and the rumblings that he could potentially be back for the Warriors game. That didn't end up happening. Maybe he'll be back in LA. Maybe it's the first, you know, game back in Boston. What are you looking for from him and the Celtics upon his return? Like, you know, I'm talking starter slash bench. Where is he going to be minutes? How do you expect him to look on offense and defense? Like what are you expecting?
2: Yeah. It's interesting. I have been under the impression, based on what they've said and what we know about Rob Williams, that the biggest challenge to his recovery is going to be conditioning. That he's always struggled with conditioning. Uh, Maybe he just doesn't have the same motor as, you know, other guys in the league. Um, But that he's been off his feet for a few months now. Just getting NBA ready is going to be the challenge. And then I saw that knee brace and I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) is his knee not fully healed? Because it, it, they definitely position it as the knee is fine, the knee's back, and he's just building strength and conditioning. But I don't know. The Something about that knee brace changed my tune on that a little bit. Um, for folks who haven't seen, he was practicing in San Francisco before the Warriors game, and his knee brace, it's like I bet I could like fit inside of it. It looks massive. Um, so, yeah, Jack, to your question, I I think he'll come off the bench. I remember being at a game way back when, and they brought Tony Battie back from injury, and uh, Tony Battie was probably starter caliber at that moment. But they warmed him back up, and I think that makes sense for Rob. Takes pressure off him, takes pressure off the starters to integrate him, um, and then he can come in at the end of the or towards the end of the first quarter when you know Tatum takes his rest, and he can he can work with Brown or the beginning of the second quarter or something like that. So. My guess is, uh, unfortunately for Celtics fans, far fewer minutes than people want to see. And Mm -hmm. it will take time to ramp him up. I would bring him back in a low stakes way against uh, the Magic. I think that Brad Stevens and Joe Missoula are outrageously calm people. So I don't think that the (laughs) sexiness of bringing him back for Christmas registers with them. I would like to see him come back for Christmas because I do think that that's (laughs) sexy and fun, but um, I'm going to guess it's one of those magic games. Um, They got a home and home against the magic next weekend. So it seems like the knee is healed. It seems like, I mean, we saw clips of him. He's getting up. It seems like he can jump around and stuff. I think he's probably still not as well conditioned as we would like. And that quickly becomes a liability. I mean, if you've ever played with, um, like I'm, I'm subtweeting really hard right now, but in my men's league, we had guys that are really talented, but after like four minutes, they're out of gas. And it's like, well, actually, now you're a liability. <laughs> what the hell? And Rob Williams really works when he's at speed, but a slower Rob Williams is shorter Luke Cornette. So uh, I think that it will be a longer ramp period than people want. And it will also be a really impactful one um, yeah. because because Rob Williams is really can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. It's really fucking good at basketball. <laughs>
0: 100%. Just, just to uh, kind of piggyback onto that, I think bringing him off the bench is such a better option because it limits the pressure on him. Just look back in the playoffs. When he came back, people were expecting him to be the same exact player after a month. of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Like he tore his meniscus, had surgery, and a month later they were like, All right, like this guy's gonna be nasty again. Like the team's not gonna lose, they're gonna beat everybody (laughs) by 30 points, just like they were for the second half of the season. And he was really inconsistent just because I mean, who wouldn't be? You're coming off a big time knee injury, you're out of shape a little bit, like you're being thrown into the most intense basketball of the season, and you're expected to perform. It's really great that he's gonna get like a nice, easy coast back into the lineup, whether it is against Orlando in one of these LA games, I don't really care. I mean, it would be cool against Orlando. We're just I'll be there Friday. So it'd be like, oh, cool, man. Like we got to see Rob <laughs> come back. All right. Right. But it's going to be nice to see him back at the very least. He's exciting to watch. I think it's going to do good things for smart as the point guard as well, because traditionally yes. throughout his career, he has been an excellent pick and roll point guard, throwing lobs mm-hmm. to guys on the roll. You've seen it with Horford in his first and even Baines, Tice. Like, all those guys he had great chemistry with. Of course, Rob, too, last season. But I, it's just like things get more exciting. You have that safety valve on offense. You don't always have to rely on the three. You have somebody you can just throw it up there and he'll catch it. Uh, at least, you know, before he got hurt. We, don't, we haven't seen yet that knee brace is pretty big. And, uh, you know, could be using it just to add some weight to the jumps there to make his legs stronger. It looks pretty heavy. <laughs> it looks it's like one heavy. of those baseball bat donuts you just put on exactly
1: <laughs> it's the same thing just you for never knee know. you never know I, I mean I, I think it'll be interesting to see him in the offense especially I mean on defense you can stick him in the corner have him come over play the free safety role I think that's pretty standard for the Celtics but offensively like they've relied on the three so much I'm curious to see the role he plays and how Missoula integrates him into the offense not not necessarily saying I think it'll be bad but I think it'll take some time to adjust because they're gonna have to change the way they play offense for him I know Bobby Manning described it as he's basically just going to be an elevated Luke Cornett, which I mean, you alluded to as well, which is great because Luke Cornett's been fine. But it's going to be weird uh, to see him in this offense. But uh, I think that's all I had. Anything else? Sam,
0: you had anything else you wanted to
1: talk about today? Celtics wise?
0: Um, No, not Celtics wise. I did remember what I was going to complain about, though. I was driving home. I just (laughs) got back from the store. I bought some new gloves for running because it's real cold out. And I'm driving like down the street to my house the main road, and this guy on a bike just pulls out in the lane. Like, he's riding a bicycle in front of me in the middle the of the, the lane. Unbelievable. <laughs> I I get so angry when I drive, and then the people on the other side of the road had to stop because he was turning, so he's holding everybody on the road up. How inconsiderate can you be, man, on your bike? And I don't live in a city. It's not, it's not like people around the city biking. I live in a neighborhood. I live in the mm. suburbs. I live, like, I don't know. Ride, I just, ride your bike on the sidewalk, man.
2: I just don't get that because... I find biking on the city streets so scary that like get letting cars get up and around me. It's just like preferable. I'd rather not be in the mix with all the other cars. I agree. It's my goodness that, there's Sam's on the road, he's going to run you down.
0: <laughs> no, I listen, I won't run you down. I'll just think really mean things about you. Well, I'll say this.
1: Sam has a few hot takes when it comes to driving. And I do. I'll blame on you. He doesn't think stop signs should
0: exist. He thinks they should all be yields. I think they should be yields. Which I respect crazy. a yield sign more than a stop sign. I really okay, do. that
1: doesn't have anything to do with a sign. That's just you being a dick.
0: No, it's <laughs> not. Like If you have a yield sign, you look, and oftentimes there is a reason to stop and a okay, stop wait, sign is there on. so you don't fly a hundred
2: okay so say there's of all the four-way intersections in massachusetts if what percentage would you turn into yield signs and what percent would you put up a red light or would it all be yield signs
0: well four-way intersections are tough because if it's in a neighborhood you can't really put a light up like if it's around a bunch of houses i think that is one of the few times stop signs are appropriate. But there are like certain stop signs where it's just like, man, I don't need to stop as I turn onto a main road because there's a stop sign. I need to stop because there's cars coming. I don't want to stop and then have to wait for all the cars to come because you're supposed to stop a certain amount of time. And then by the time you stop and do your three second stop, even though no one does that, the cars come.
1: Mm-hmm. I okay. understand that. Sam's worst take, sorry, not to cut you off, worst he time. thinks. That there shouldn't be stop signs on school buses. Oh, this is bad. He's a T. Te- this is bad. You're setting me up. <laughs> I, well, you deserve to be set up because that's heinous. <laughs> I'm
2: trying to like think of what the counterfactual could possibly be. Um, there should probably be stop signs attached to school buses. <laughs>
1: Definitely. There should absolutely be stop signs attached to school buses. You're a psycho. That's crazy. I am we had a man. whole argument for like 10 minutes about this. And he's like, well, they're fine. Just tell them to watch where they're going. I'm like, Sam, most of the kids. come." What are
0: you paying buses. the bus monitor for? Seriously. <laughs> they're like, You're monitoring the go. bus, not the street. They yeah, exactly. I have matured oh. since then.
1: All right. I'm glad. I'm glad we've elevated past that. Um. But, yeah, I think I think that's about everything I had. I'm glad we got some stop sign discussions in. We have one uh, listener, Landon, who stops in for oh, he's loves, a pregame. He loves the stop signs. So shout out, Landon. Absolute legend. But, uh, yeah, thank you, Cam, for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, I always ask the guests to you know let people know where to find them because I always mess it up. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, your Twitter, cool. where to find your writing, your podcast, everything, you know, let
2: it all out here. Sure. Uh, check out Celtics Wire for visual learners or the Celtics Lab YouTube page, I suppose. Um, also hosted the Celtics Lab podcast. And you can find me on Twitter if you found this podcast. I'm sure you can find me on Twitter as well. Um, like we said, just call me Mr. T. It's easier than spelling things out. I actually like if, if the NBA guys could start calling me that, it'd probably be good for my SEO. And <laughs> see tab to buy. but whatever. So yeah, um, Celtics Lab. So let's plug that one.
0: For sure. He's frozen, right? For sure. No,
1: you're yeah. frozen, Sam.
2: <laughs> oh, I was frozen? I could <laughs> I could hear you. Xfinity, please sponsor this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, exactly. Same like, I, Verizon. Can only,
0: I can only hear Jack. Like Jack was moving and he was laughing. And I was like, is he laughing because he's frozen? And I'm like also like here. No, I've I'm half
1: day. tempted to just leave all the cuts in in the episode and not cut any of them. I'm tempted to just leave them. I, there's a couple that I'll cut, but I, all of Sam's at least. I, I I usually leave Sam's going, "Am I frozen?" <laughs> I'll just leave him in because it's funny. Uh, but yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be on the How About Them Celtics podcast page, uh, Cam's Twitter is on the screen, and obviously check out the Celtics Love Twitter as well. Uh, But yeah, I'll let Sam wrap it up per usual.
0: All right. I'll do it nice and quick before the internet decides to take a breather. Uh, Thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching, you are more likely than not. uh, Actually, you are. I did this last time, too. I keep forgetting. You're on the How About Them Celtics YouTube page. Uh, Make sure you subscribe. Leave a like. Leave a comment. Tell us we're handsome. If you're listening on a streaming service, you can follow us there. Leave a nice review. Five stars. And if you want to follow us on any social, it's there on the screen at How About Them C's the Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now Facebook, all will have the most updated pods, shorts, whatever. You can follow Cam. He was very nice to hop on with us on a nice Sunday here. And you can follow Jack at Jack Simone NBA. He's doing all kinds of writing. You can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. I'm doing writing too, just not as much as Jack. That's it for us. Bye.